Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And it said, Now it happened, as he, this is speaking about Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. Somebody say, certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. That's important there. Who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went that they were cleansed. And one of them, when he had saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, we're not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I want to speak to you from this subject. There's more. There's more. Would you look at your neighbor one more time, and would you tell them there's more? Look look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't want to say hi to. Say, there's, there's, say, I really like you. I just, I, they were first. There's more. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we love you. Um, Father, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. I pray, Father, that there would be um, just a sweet touch, sensing of your spirit, Lord. But, Father, that our hearts would be open. Our minds would be open. Um, Eliminate distractions in this place, Lord. Help us to be able to see, Lord, that um, gratitude is a lifestyle, Lord God. It's not dictated by a season. And so, Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time for Jesus in his place? Somebody say, there's more. There's more, there's more. Hey, uh, my, my, uh, I have two incredible boys that I'm really excited about. Um, one of them, um, who's in the room. And these are, my, my boys, they're creatives. You know what I mean? They think out the box. And some of y'all, my sons are 14 and 15. And then I have an eight-year-old that... She thinks she runs the world. But my 14 and my 15, you they're growing and they're learning and they've got different skills. And one of them, um, Levi, he's, he, he, he's cutting people's hair now and he's learning how to cut hair. And so I'm a, I'm a barber. I'm not like a real barber. I'm like a hood barber. You know what I mean? I'm like in the neighborhood, give me $5 and I'll hook you up. I don't do that anymore. I hate it. Um, but that's who I came up and I learned how to cut hair. And so I kind of taught him how to cut hair. And he went on YouTube. And he started to look at how to cut hair and the way the individuals were cutting hair. And so he thought to himself, as a barber, I've been a barber, my God, not professionally again, but I was cutting hair, I think I was like 15 years old. And I'm about 27 now. So, so, (laughs) are y'all laughing like that? So disrespectful. (laughs) And so, I've been cutting hair for a little while. Never in my life have I ever tried to look at the mirror and cut my own hair. Right? Here's the deal. I'm, they call me Chino, and it's not because I'm Chinese. Because my eyes, I squint very hard. I can't see. Once I took off my glasses, I can barely make out who you are. So I never tried to cut my hair, but my son decided. I watched on YouTube, and I'm going to try this thing out. 
after getting a patch of hair knocked off right here in the center of his head, bro. I'm not even lying. He was trying to do it and then it and then took it up. And then he tried to hide it. You know what I mean? I remember when you were a kid and you got in trouble and you tried to hide it from your parents. Maybe it wasn't a patch of hair. I, I have experience in that patch of hair. Uh, I cut my pastor's hair for, for a while there. And I used to love it because we used to have conversations. Bro, one day, man, I'm not even making this up. You know preachers exaggerate. I'm not exaggerating. Dude, I'm cutting his hair and I'm cleaning the, the top of his hair and I the guard, which is like a little piece that separates the cut so that it's longer, falls off. And I, and I took a chunk of his hair off. And so, you know, in that moment, I got real spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, hair grow back right now. And I command you, I declare it. None of that crap work. <laughs> Yo, he had to grab the patch and he had to preach the next day. It was a Sunday and he had to literally glue it on his hair. I never cut his hair again. He never wanted me to cut his hair again. I was embarrassed. I, it, it doesn't matter how much YouTube videos he watches. How many of y'all know that it, watching a YouTube video doesn't make you a barber? There, there's more. There's experiences. There's notches and patches that you have to cut into people's hair. Um, I'm Cuban, and we have a word that Hispanics use. We call it cucaracha, which is a, a roach. But it's what, when your mom used to cut your hair. How many of y'all remember your mom used to cut your hair? Nobody in this room. Okay, my mom used to cut. Thank you, amen? Be real. It's a couple of us. He's like, my mom still cuts my hair. And so, and so it was embarrassing, but, but you have to learn that there's more. Somebody say there's more. The season of Thanksgiving is filled with gratitude. And I believe that we, we find ourselves, and I want to be careful because I don't want it to get lost in the season. I don't want Thanksgiving um, to create an emphasis and put such a highlight on generosity or, or on gratitude um, that it gets lost in translation. And then once the clock strikes three, this weekend is over, your family goes back. I know you got more turkey. I know you got more family at the house. But once this moment is over and you go back to work, what I don't want you to lose is that gratitude is a lifestyle, that it goes beyond just a season and a holiday. What I also don't want to do is that I don't want it to become legalistic. I don't want to come off as rule abiding where I got to put you in a box and it's like, yo, this is what we have to do. If you don't do this, you don't please God. But what I want to do is I want to create freedom in you, but I want to give you practical tools for you to live out a lifestyle of gratitude because there's more. Somebody say there's more. There's more. I, uh, I, 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 I see this story and the Bible says that there's 10 lepers. And these 10 lepers understand that the leprosy was this thing that would happen where your skin would start itching and then it became white. And then little by little, it would start from the inside to start to eat out and people's fingers would fall off. Their arms would fall off. And if your priest or the person who saw you know when you started itching, because it's very, very contagious, extremely contagious. And so what they said was, if you got it, in that moment, we got to separate you away from your house, from your family, from church. And what they did was that they put them in these little colonies. And in these colonies, they were together, but they were infected. And they watched as their future was unfolding before their eyes. As, yo, you heard Johnny's foot fell off yesterday. Hey, you heard Cindy. Cindy died yesterday. Because ultimately, this didn't have any type of cure. And so people would lose body parts and eventually they would die. And so these 10 individuals... I think it's a beautiful picture, as ugly as it seems, of community. That even in brokenness, even in dysfunction, that they still were able to spend time with each other where they didn't have to look at each other and say, well, you're different than me. You look different. You smell different. No, they look the same. They walked together. And what I love is that at this church, man, we have a thing called G-Groups. And last week it ended. 
But man, it, it hasn't ended in the, in the heart of our church. Here's what I mean. Our women met every single Wednesday. And some of the testimonies, you're going to be hearing them through December, of women who actually got together. And man, they grew in their faith. And I know some of you ladies are in here. Men, we got together week after week. And we had some real conversations. And we were able to take our masks off and have real conversations. Our marriage G group was probably one of the best that we've ever had in our church. As couples got together, man, we were able to talk about some real stuff, but then receive some tools to be able to live the real stuff that we heard about. Our young adults, they rebellious. They're still meeting every Tuesday. <laughs> they had a potluck last Tuesday, right? Didn't even invite me. I don't care. I'm not like I get hungry or anything. You know what I'm saying? Yo, and it was like, I, I didn't know young adults could cook. I guess once you adults could cook, I guess once you go to college, you got to figure it out. Mom is like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> And so, man, our young adults, Pastor Alex had the youth. And I mean, there were so many different G groups. I mean, I, I, the dangerous Jesus I had met every Thursday and we talked about things to be better. And so I, I think we had an amazing time. That community is strategic. It's intentional to create real relationships because you need people in your life. This isn't the type of community that we're talking about with these 10 lepers. This community was forced on them. This community was something that they were ostracized. They were kicked out of everything and they were there and they spent years sometimes if they passed away that fast in these colonies and in these communities. And what I see sometimes in that is that this is a representation sometime of our own life because you didn't choose the colony, the community, the family sometimes that you're brought in. And what will happen is that you watch the dysfunction that's happening around you and you will begin to think that's my future. My ultimate end is that my fingernail is going to fall off and then my hand. And then eventually when my hand falls off, my arm, and then I'm going to eventually pass away the way that Johnny passed away. When in reality, man, you are not dictated where you come from. It doesn't dictate who you are. And for some of us, I know that we've had families because they had a divorce doesn't mean that you're going to have a divorce. Because they committed suicide, it doesn't mean that you will commit suicide. Where you were brought up with, where you came from, doesn't dictate who you are. We are washed under the blood of Jesus. We are new creations. We have a God that has changed us, loves us. He doesn't look at us as ostracized. He doesn't step. Come on, somebody make some noise. If you love that Jesus that loves us enough not to leave us where we were. That there's a God that doesn't look at you because of your past. But he's looking at you, everything that he has done. The only way he looks back is to look at the cross in which he sacrificed everything for you. But the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far has he separated your sins from you. That he doesn't look at you as what you've done. He looked at you as his son. I mean, it's something totally different when we, we come from these places. There's past and sometimes you can see the scars of the past. And sometimes you can see things are missing in your life that were with you in that season, but are no longer in that season. And sometimes it hurts because you can still sense it. You can still feel it. But man, we serve a God that he's a healer. He's a restorer and he's a redeemer. And he would take those broken areas and he would use them to tell his story. Not for you to become great and for you to be the great evangelist and have your nonprofit and your LLC and your little prayer handkerchiefs, but so that you can bring glory to God. These places, they're real. And in our life, these are places sometimes that we go back to. But these are places that God doesn't have or intend for you to live in. The Bible says that these men were sitting in these colonies and they, they saw Jesus. And then the Bible says they started to call on him from afar off. And I think it was intentional for them to use that, that there was a distinction in their space, in their proximity, that they were afar off and they began to call. Here's why. Because I truly believe that for some of us, when we're still living in those spaces, we're still living in those colonies, we're still living in the past, we're still living in that brokenness, 
what happens is that we tend to think, I can't really come close to Jesus. Like the fact that we walk into church sometimes, we're just waiting for the roof to open and lightning bolt just a bum. We'll show up on Christmas and Easter because they begged us, but we're ready for that fire to come and consume everybody. Everybody getting burnt up because of me. And we tend to think that God, we're like so far, and we tend to think that God is so far away from us. And we treat him like that, right? Because we don't really commit to another church because that pastor hurt us so much because we gave so much at that place because the past has hurt us so much that we're still carrying the scars that we tend to be a far off. And oh yeah, hey, he go your little $20. Let me tip God. He go your tie. God, here you go. Give you a little 10. Slide your smooth 10. Don't look at it. Just fold it up so nobody can see what it is. And what happens is that we don't commit and we don't do church no more. And it's like, yo, I don't want to serve. I don't want to be in the kids team. I don't want to be, I'm, I'm going to just do enough just to get by. And you better be glad I'm here. And what ends up happening is that you start to feel like you can't actually approach God. And because of all the mess ups and everything that I have, like I can't come to God because the moment that I come to God, he's going to shun me. He's going to push me away. Number one, for those of you that have not called on the name of Jesus, for those of you that are kicking around and kicking the tires and you're trying to figure out if this thing is even real, you don't fall in the cycle of thinking to yourself that you're going to get to a place where you're going to get cleaned and the leprosy is going to fall off and you're going to stop smoking, drinking, sleeping with her, sleeping with him. And then you're going to be able to come to God. That'll never happen. That's called self-help. You're going to find yourself in a cycle. You have to come to him and then he gives you the power, the strength to be able to find freedom. But it starts with an initial step. It doesn't start with you cleaning yourself up and then coming to him. I've never taken a shower to take a shower. I mean, it doesn't make sense for me to clean myself up to, to get clean. There's something about salvation when you come with your brokenness, with your hurt, where God loves you. He takes you as you are. He loves you enough not to leave you where you are. Come on, anybody love a Jesus that is strong, is powerful. Where we fail and where we are weak, he is strong. From afar off, they call Jesus. Ha have mercy on us. I'm filled with leprosy. I look like where I came from. I smell like where I came from. I'm broken. I'm hurting. Things don't look good. And the Bible says, mind you, let me set this up. Remember that if you had leprosy, they would kick you out of your house, kick you out of the church. The priest would say, you got to live in this colony. You got to live away from everybody. Jesus not only sees them, but he speaks to them while they were afar off. Just a moment ago, I mentioned how salvation is introduced into your life. That it has little to do with what you did and everything to do with what he's already done. Acts chapter 2 verse 39, it'll come up on the screens in just a moment. There's the greatest revival that has ever happened. That men and women have been baptized with the Holy Spirit in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And all of a sudden there's this conversation going on of how do I get saved? What happens? And Jesus um, and Peter begins to explain, yo, there was a promise that God had already given. And now that promise is for you, for your children. And here's the verse. And it says, and for those, the promise is for you, your children, and for those who are, there's a promise that for some of us, we are far off. And there's a promise for you that God loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Hey, can I tell you something? He's not mad at you. He's so madly in love with you. He hasn't pushed you away. He has arms open. We think that God is afar off. If God is far off from us, then that means that God doesn't exist. 
because God is omnipresent. He's in every place. So if he, if there is a space in between where he doesn't exist, that space doesn't exist. God is always close to you. He has never left your side. In the midst of your darkest moments, you still feel that we, we see the cartoon, right? Of something tapping you on your shoulder. Don't you smack that lady. Don't do it. Don't take your earrings off, girl. Just let her cut in front of you. It's okay. Jesus is always there. And the Holy Spirit is always there. And he's whispering and he's talking. And he's always been with you. The promise is that he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. That he's walking with you on this journey. Hey, Jesus, Master, we're broken. We're hurting. Have mercy on us. The Bible says that Jesus responds to them. And he says to them, not you are healed, my son. Not take up your bed and walk. Not your faith. Nothing. Jesus says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. What he does is that he gives them instructions. I've always said this from this church. And it's funny because I love it because sometimes we agree with this. So be careful how you agree. But God will never give you more than you can bear. He'll never give you a load that you can't, you can't bear. The, the Bible, we, we tend to read in, into the Bible and we tend to think, yo, God will never give you anything that you can't do. That's a lie. Yo, God throws things on you that you're like, yo, this is impossible. I can never do this. I can never do this. Exactly. That is the moments that he shows up in fiery furnaces. He shows up when there's lions surrounding you, when there's a 10 foot, nine foot giant in front of you, when you can't figure out how you're going to make sure that this marriage lasts. That's when he shows up. It's funny to think within that God is not going to do. He gives you impossible tasks. These men were leprous. Their fingers were falling off, bro. And Jesus tells them, hey, go show yourself to the priest. How am I going to? He kicked me out. Look at me. There's something about taking that first step in faith that Jesus is always concerned with. Me and my wife, uh, we were dating. I think we were dating for like four months. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, mm, girl, I want you. Sounded provocative. That's, that came off wrong. And I was like, <laughs> I do though. And I was like, I was like, girl, you mine. And I remember at this time, it was about four months into us dating. Man, I worked my butt off, bro. I mean, I was washing cars. I tried to save all money. I got this ring. I spent all of $300 on it. It was a lot of money for me. It was a lot of money for me. And I spent this money and I was just like, man, I'm going to buy her. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to propose to her. And then a friend of mine came to me, chap, and he told me, he said, uh, she told me, she said, hey, Chino, I'm doing this event and it's at the Signature Grand. And if you're from Miami, Florida, the Signature Grand would be like this real pompous, real like uh, nice place where people have like uh, banquets and like for you to even go there to rent it for a day is like 10 grand plus. I mean, it was just really, really nice. She's like, hey, I'm doing a Thanksgiving. I'm doing a, a, a Valentine's dinner um, with couples. And so I think the entrance price was like $100 per person or whatever. It's something extravagant. And she's like, hey, could you come and do some music? And at this point, I used to do Christian music and travel, go to youth groups. But I had a couple of romantic tracks. You know what I'm saying? You know, what I'm saying? a couple of love songs. And so they were like, hey, can you come do some of those? I was like, absolutely. And then it clicked. Clink. I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to propose. And I said, oh, watch this. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And then I told my friends, hey, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do this song. The song is called My Blessing. And then in the middle of My Blessing, I'm going to stop and I'm going to be like, oh, you know, guys, I can't sing this song. And it just doesn't feel right because I'm talking about somebody because it was about my blessing that I don't have yet. 
Like one day this woman will come into my life and it was like, you know, this metaphorical thing. I was about that life. And so, and so I was like, and it's hard for me to sing this song about somebody who's not in my life when in reality she is in my life and I'm going to call her. When I call her, we didn't have, you know, there wasn't like camera phones and all that stuff. We had like the little camcorders. It's like, no, just hit it with the camcorder. She can't see it though, so she won't know. And so whatever, I go up there and I do the song and then I'm like, you know, the sound man. Anybody, if you do music, any type of music, everybody's a DJ. Hey, DJ, turn that off real quick. And I say, hey, I'm, you know, this song is about a woman who hasn't come into my life, but she has. Lydia, would you come over here to the front? You know what I'm saying? And I was like, hey. I was like, girl. Mm. Pray for you all my life. Nothing God. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I just hit her with one of these right here. Bam. She knew what time it was. I said, hey, girl. I said, you are my blessing that I've been looking. I don't even know what I said. I, remember, I forgot. But I'm, I'm trying to illustrate it because we exaggerate. We're preachers. And so, and so, you know, I pulled out my $300 ring. Don't laugh at my $300 ring. And so, and so I was like, hey, babe, would you marry me? She's like, oh my God, yeah. oh my God. I think she knew, but whatever. And she's like, ah. almost 20 years later, she tells me that she still didn't know, but I think she did. And so she's like, oh my God, yes. Here's the crazy part about it. I don't know if I would have done it if I would have thought that she was, yeah, you know what I mean? Like 50-50. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I had, there was a confidence in me that thought to myself, yo, when I propose to her, eventually, I think she's going to say yes. I wouldn't embarrass myself in front of so many people spend time and energy and money on a $300 ring and give her all of these things. And if I thought that she was going to be like, I don't know, but oh my God, why did you do that? No, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like I didn't think that she would do that. What would happen if the level of faith that I had in a person responding, I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about the response that she would say yes. I was focused on the fact that there was a faith in me that bubbled up that said, she's going to do what she says. What happens if we have that type of determination and faith in God that we actually believe that he's going to do what he said he would do and that everything that's in the Bible is real and that God can perform. He can do all types of things. What would happen is that I'm filled with leprosy. And he says, I need you to go and show yourself to the priest. What would happen is that I would take the first step knowing something is going to happen on the way. I got to trust you. And for some of us, the word faith is very easily spelled R-I-S-K. For some of us, it's taking that initial step. I wasn't a husband the day that I met her and we stood at the altar. They put a ring on my finger. I had to develop into being a, a husband. I didn't understand the scope of responsibilities. I didn't know what it was like to bring up children. I wasn't a father the day that my kid came out of her belly. It took time for me to learn. It took this. It took time for you to become a wife. You were like, yo, if I would have known this, I wouldn't have signed up. Like, you nasty. Like, pick your underwears up. Put your towel back, my guy. I'm not cooking for you. Go to the freaking refrigerator and make a sandwich. I'm not your slave. You had to learn and you had to grow into that. And it's something that's developed because it's on the way. You start to actually take a step. You know what? I'm actually going to start this ministry or I'm actually going to start this job. I'm going to take a risk, but I believe that it's calculated. And as I start taking these steps, I'm going to believe that God is on the other side of this way. Yes. And what happens is that we start to take the step. 
And then we're like, God, I believe you for this much. And you'll say, yeah. And then, God, I believe you for this much. And before you know it, you're so far along on the journey, you don't even recognize yourself anymore. But it takes an initial step of faith. It takes believing God. And then when you believe God, on the way, you start to see God perform. And then you start to look at yourself. You're like, yo, I'm not where I want to be at. But, man, I'm not where I used to be at. I'm not who I want to become, but man, I'm not who I was. There's something that God has been chiseling and shaping inside of me. He's making me a new person. Now when people respond, I used to want to slap fire at you. Now I'm sitting there saying, well, God bless you, sister. I appreciate you. Thank you. Because God started to do things inside of me. He started to mold things. And now I'm starting to grow and I'm starting to mature. But it all started with me being filled with leprosy. I'm in this colony. Everybody around me is a mess. And I'm sitting there and I just said, Lord, I need you to have mercy on me. And as he told me, go show yourself. I started to take the steps and I started to change. A metamorphosis. I was crawling on the ground, but now I'm flying as a butterfly because God started to do something inside of me. I was so far off. God said... Go show yourself. Ten of them begin. One of them comes back. And when that one comes back, the Bible says that Jesus is sitting there. He's like, yo, why, why, why did I? There was ten of you that were healed. It's only one of y'all that had come back. And I don't, I don't understand. And, it, and it's crazy to think that all ten of these individuals were walking. They were all healed. But yet the Bible says that one of them came back. Now, I, I want to talk about the one of them in just a second. But what I want to show you right now is that there were nine other individuals that didn't come back. Why? And, and I don't know why, you know what I mean? I, we'll figure out when we go to heaven. But I, I tend to think or I, I speak into the text. And I tend to think to myself, I wonder if they thought that all they needed was healing. Is that not us sometimes, though? Man, all I need is a little bit more money. Some of us are single and we're like, oh God, if you just gave me a girlfriend, Lord. Oh God, if you just gave me a boyfriend, like we're going to pray. Like we're going to, Father, we just thank you. We're going to read the Bible together. Oh my God, we're going to do Bible studies. We're going to do all of the Bible studies. I'm reading the book of Ruth with him. I just need a man, Lord. Just give me a man, any man, one man, just a man, whatever man. <laughs> Lord, I don't care what she looked like, Lord. Lord, as long as he has a job, Lord, he could borrow his mom's car. I just, just, what, oh, man? And we, we tend to think, man, that one thing will solve our problems, right? It's just like, just need another job. But then you get another job and you realize the problems didn't go away. And you get a spouse and you're still jacked up, more jacked up. Now there's two of y'all that are jacked up. And then you got two little kids, and you're just like, man, I don't know what we did. And we tend, to, we tend to think that there's always a fill in the blank. If I had fill in the blank, that's what's going to make everything better. When in reality, God is not wanting you to be so enamored or in love or chasing after a resource, but he wants, you, he wants to be your source. He, he wants to be able to hold on to you. He wants to be your end all. Because you'll receive that which you ask for, and it won't complete you. It won't fulfill you won't answer all your problems if you don't have him. These individuals, they walk away and they look like us sometimes. Because what God does in you is so much bigger than what he does for you. And even in scripture, Ephesians 
chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now unto him who can do exceedingly, abundantly over what you can ask, imagine, or think. And then I, I want you to see this verse right here. Because the last three words are what I think are important. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that works. What he does in you is so much bigger than what he does for you. And God wants to develop things inside of you. He can give you the miracle. I mean, it's easy, man. God is strong. He's still Jehovah Rapha. We're a church that believes that God is a healer. He's still Jehovah Sidkenu. He is my defender. He is my righteousness. He is Jehovah Nisi in the middle of a battle where I feel like I'm fighting my family. I feel like I'm fighting my kids. I feel like I'm fighting my job. I feel like I'm fighting myself. God is a banner in victory. He says, I won the battle for you. I need you to find rest in me. I need you to find peace. He's still that God that we can find peace in the midst of the storm he's still the God that loves us that cares for us that protects us he's still our peace I mean he's 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 still that God but those things and who he is he wants to do so much more in you and he wants to develop character and strength and determination and faith and he wants to teach you how to be gentle and kind and not be so sharp with your words but it takes Bible says it. one of them comes back and as this individual comes back I'm reading in just a second this is a picture of some of us who are in this room and I think we fit in three different categories but I want to show you something gratitude always creates generosity gratitude always creates generosity and some of y'all clenched up you're like he about to ask for money no if you if you think about money small-minded bro this this goes beyond money gratitude is always that's why when you do something for somebody they're always like oh what can i get you? let me get you a sandwich something let me can i pay they're always trying to be generous generosity it means giving more than what's expected you're, you're expecting water, but I'm going to give you a five-gallon liter of Ritz Cola. Y'all remember Ritz Cola? RC Cola. Three-gallon, 99 cents. Yeah. Well, when mama used to bring those things home, bro, that was, it was a good day. But, but you're expecting, but I'm going to give you so much more. That's generosity. It's, it's giving way more than it's expected. Generosity is, uh, is what we experienced on Sunday. I was, I was right under that tent, and um, I didn't cry in the first service. Why am I? I'm not going to cry now. I'm a grown man. But I was right under that tent. I see her face, and I remember that somebody was so filled with gratitude. Um, they came up to me, and they said, I, I came for a turkey, but I got so much more than a turkey. He says, let me, let me tell you my life. She says, uh, she says I, I, uh, I struggled with cancer for a very long time, and she said, uh, I've had this surgery and you can see from like her throat down, she just has like an incision. And she was just like, man, and I, you know, they were able to get most of the cancer out, but it's come back. And so they have to do a, another surgery and I'm going to be going in for surgery. She's like, but you don't understand. I came in and I thought I was just going to get a turkey and some groceries and I was excited. But I got so much more than that. And she's sitting there. Ooh, that did good. The freaking first service. What's wrong with me? And I said, uh, I said, I said, ma'am, I, I can't even, I can't even begin to 
tell you? And I said, can, can we pray for you? Like, I didn't have words. I'm like, can we pray for you? And she's like, yes. And in that moment, my friend Justin Howard, who was here, he was the one that led worship. He says to her, ah, uh, he says to her, he says, uh, can I tell you a story? And she's like sitting there. She's like, yeah, and I'm interested now. And he kind of leans over and he's like, you know, my mom, when I was young, she got diagnosed with the same type of cancer. And uh, we were distraught. We were broken. We were in church. My, I'm a pastor's kid. My parents were pastors. And they were, uh, we were broken. He says, and man, we, we started to pray. We started to believe God. And she was actually going to have a surgery to be able to get this stuff removed. And the moment that she's going to have the surgery, we prayed for her and we believed. And, and can I tell you, and I remember he just reached over to her and he leaned down and looked at her and he said, She's in her 70s now, and she's been cancer-free for a long time, and God has healed her. And I just remember this lady just looking at him, and he says, can I pray for you? And man, we just, we just sat there, and we prayed for her, man, and just tears are flowing. And I mean, it's just a beautiful moment. I felt this weird sensation of heat. We were under the tent. I was like, are we in the sun? I mean, I don't mean to weird you out. It was just something different that I felt in that. And I was just like, man, I walked away from that prayer, as did she, knowing that, man, God touched her. And I'm believing that God is sovereign. I'm believing that God is strong. He's still a healer. And I'm believing that she's going to come back and that she's going to give testimony of what God did in her life. But can I tell you, that's enough gratitude to fill us for a thousand years. The fact that I watched individuals when I was preaching, and some of y'all may be in here now, and you came in here and you were like, yo, I'm waiting for this turkey. Man, hurry up, bro. And I saw, and I saw, and, and there was a moment that Justin started singing, um, how great is our God. And bro, I'm talking about people, oh, Jesus. Like, I ain't never seen y'all sing like that in your life. And they were, oh my God, he started singing. And people, and I watched this, people were like, oh. and then I got up to preach. And I was watching as people were just like, Oh, what time the turkey? You know what I mean? And then slowly as I started to get into the message, it was like they weren't checking there. And then I started to watch towards the end of the message, people's eyes like, and they, people were crying. And then when we did a salvation call to see hands go up and say, yo, I want Jesus. I need that Jesus. Not Chino's Jesus. Not greater church's Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, the gospel. This is what they chose. And it was beautiful to watch, man, as individuals gave their life to Jesus, some for the first time, some for the first time in a long time. Gratitude is always going to create generosity. It, it, it gets to this moment that with us, somebody could have came and said, hey, I'm paying for all the turkeys, which as a church, you paid. We paid for the turkeys and we paid for 12 tons of food to be able to give out. Somebody could have said, hey, I got the bill. Don't worry about it. I'm going to write this check. No, no. He could have just said, hey, I got this. Don't worry about it. Here you go. Bam. There goes the check. I got, I'll take care of everything. That would have paled in comparison to watching that person that walked into the room with a mean mug. Oh, my God. Hurry up. I don't even like you. Like, I just need my turkey. You told me I could pre-register in here. That's the only reason I'm here. And then watching them at the end of the service, man, with their hard reins and having a conversation with them and saying, I came for a turkey, but there was more. There was more. Gratitude is always going to turn into generosity. For some of us in this place, we feel like we're in that colony and we're going to leave from this service and we got to go back to watching what our future is going to look like. 
and we're going to go back to trauma and pain and the hurt and we're going to go back to remembering and we're looking at our hands and we're seeing the places that are missing and we're heading into the holiday season and we're like, they're no longer here. And we feel like we're still stuck in this colony. And Jesus is telling you, I want you to draw away from there and I want you to go. I want you to take a step of faith. Trust me. And for some of us, trusting him is the hardest thing because everybody you trust has broken you, has hurt you, and has lied to you. But I serve a God that will never leave you. He will never, he's not intimidated by your doubts. He's not intimidated by what you think about him. He has salvation available for you. And now here's what I want you to understand because the conundrum that we find ourselves in is that in church life, we think, well, I got to get rid of the leprosy and I got to stop drinking. And I got to stop smoking. And then I got to stop sleeping with him. I got to stop sleeping with her. I got to stop sleeping with them. And then when I do all that, then I could come to church. Hallelujah. When in reality, that's a cycle in which you failed that time and time again. And it's just back and forth. You can't clean yourself up to jump in the shower. I've never done that. I've never cleaned myself up. Got in the shower and then got in the shower. I'm going to take a shower now. I feel so clean. Let me get clean. There, there's a moment that you have to go show yourself. And I mean, it sucks. It's terrifying because in it, you're like, I'm going to take a step. Nothing's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm filled with leprosy. I'm filled with sin. I'm filled with guilt, regret, shame, addiction. I'm, I'm going to take a What do you mean just take a step? That, that step has a Bible verse to it because that step can change everything in your life. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it's called prayer, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's called faith, you shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth, for unto the mouth one confesses unto salvation, and in the heart you believe, that's called faith, prayer and faith. You can be saved. You want to know what that step looks like? It looks like Romans 10, 9. I don't know if anything's going to happen. Nobody asked you. Just take the step. And on the way, you're going to watch God do the work. It's not a beautifully played piano. I'm, I'm just giving you the gospel. I'm not sitting in I don't have no power to save you. I cannot save you. Only God can save you. And it's us taking that first step. Go show yourself and for some of us that's where we are for some of us we took that step but when we took that step we found ourselves slowly easing back to what we know and it feels like we've we've gone back afar off we were close but it feels like we're back and it feels like the pig that returns back to the mess and, and we're back to it and man I tried Jesus but man I just the dysfunction is what I'm attached to the hurt, the pain, the anxiety, the shame, the guilt, the pornography, the addiction, the drugs, the alcohol. This is what I know. And, and slowly but surely, we've drifted back to God. Oh, God is just asking you, I just need you to just, just, just go show yourself. Like, I need you to just give it to me. I'm not intimidated by your sin. Like, we look at God and we tend to think God is like our parents or, or like the law. Like, I didn't make my bed up. I lied. And I told my coworker, hey, I'm supposed to clock out at 4 o'clock. Clock me out. I'm going to leave at 3.45. Just clock me out at 4 o'clock. We, we tend to compare that as a little sin. And then we're like, I didn't murder anybody. When Jesus doesn't see sin as big, little, medium, he sees sin as 
defeated. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. When he looks at sin, he looks at it defeated. We're the ones that puts it on a scale. Jesus looks at it as defeated. Your sin doesn't intimidate him. He's not sitting there thinking, oh man, buddy, you, you need a lot of blood. You screwed up royally. Oh my God, you did what? He did angels, what? God is not looking, he's not intimidated by the mistakes that you made. He wants to recognize, he wants to bring you to him. He's not afraid of it. He wants to lean in it and he wants to heal you from it. And then there's some of us, man, in this place that the response of gratitude, the generosity, is not necessarily just giving your life, coming back to God. But sometimes it's just refocusing your attention and your worship. Because you love Jesus, but man, you're so worried about the bills and what are you going to Because you love Jesus, but man, you're so worried about the bills and what are you going to do tomorrow? You're working 70, 80 hours a week. Your kids barely know who you are. Your wife is like, babe, I just want to sit down and just talk to me. You're chasing after things for so long, man. I want to redirect your attention. I think it's important that we take this season and not to create legalism or make it this, oh my God, we got... But, but just to re, re, recalibrate and refocus for a minute. And let us put our attention back on Jesus. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www 